If technology is something that customers want, you're not going to stop it. If kiosks are something that customers really love, you're not going to stop it. If apps are something that make life easier for the consumer, you're not going to stop it. After all, aren't we supposed to be doing what is best for our customers? Welcome to the Miles and the Markers podcast. My name is Gene Girdley. I'm a husband, a father, a grandfather, and a business owner. My journey has taken me from the gas station to the pulpit, from the classroom to the dealership, from the corporate world to a life on the road as a sales and service trainer. I've seen success and failure. I've had abundance and very little. My story is one of faith, perseverance, love, hope, and inspiration. Thanks for joining me on the journey. Well, welcome back for another episode in the Miles and the Markers podcast. This podcast is based on my book of the same name, available on Amazon. And there's a subtitle, 52 Weeks of Experiences to Improve Your Life and Enhance Your Journey. And I structured the book in such a way that if a reader wanted to, they could use it as kind of a weekly devotional or a motivational piece or something that they could have a meeting with their team to discuss. And so that's why it says 52 Weeks of Experiences. There's more than 52 experiences in here. There are some side streets. And the way I designed the book was to set it up as miles and markers. So each chapter is a mile, and within each chapter there is a marker, which is the key learnings of things that I learned along my journey. And it's mostly about my automotive career. There are some other things in there. But I am so grateful to you for taking the time to listen to Mile number three, use technology wisely. So technology is awesome when used correctly. A simple story might help with this lesson. Years ago, a colleague asked me to observe a training pilot for a tablet tool being used on the service drive. And I'm talking when I say the service drive about the automotive service drive where people bring their cars in for repair. And the dealership that was participating in the project was a Honda dealership, and they were an early adopter. Tablets at that time were pretty new to both dealerships and consumers. This was over 20 years ago. Now, the good part about using a tablet was that it allowed the service advisor to perform the entire write-up and meet with the customer at their vehicle. This made the vehicle walk around and explanation of services a much more simple and convenient way to manage the customer experience. So as I observed the service advisors and the trainer testing this tool, it became pretty evident that there were some great things here. Um, Again, as I mentioned, the fact that they could bring basically the computer away from the desk, and this is one of the problems that 
we face in the automotive industry in that service advisors have a tendency just to stand at their computer and stare at the computer rather than focus themselves on the customer and what the customer's needs are or what opportunities there are for them to save time while they brought their vehicle in for service that day. So I'm observing this and then I write, but then a key feature of the tablet was activated and the entire experience went from great to horrible. Now remember when I titled this mile, use technology wisely, I was thinking about not only this experience that I had, but also a lot of other things that we face day to day in using technology because technology can be an amazing thing. But in this case, there was a, a feature on this tablet that was built in to be designed to make it convenient and valuable for the customer, but because of how it was used, meaning it wasn't used wisely, it went really bad. So this tablet had an inbound call feature built into it to allow the advisor to see the exact customer who was calling them including the repair order number so that they could access the file very, very quickly. The problem occurred when the trainer told the advisor to immediately leave the customer they were with and go take that phone call. Now, I'm going to say that again so that everyone can hear what happened. The trainer is hovering over the advisor, and there's an actual customer there, right? So this is a pilot program. And they're looking over the trainer's shoulder and watching what the trainer is doing with the tablet and their interaction with this customer. And a little pop-up comes up in the upper right-hand corner of this tablet. And it shows that a customer is calling in. And it shows the repair order. And so the trainer interrupts and says, okay, you see that right there? You see that pop-up? That means that the customer is calling you. Go take that phone call. <laughs> now, to me, and I write this in the book, this is equivalent to cursing and goes against every customer experience standard there is. Never leave the customer who is right in front of you. I want to say that again. Never leave the customer who is right in front of you. Give them your full consideration. We've talked before about be there. Now, there's a current debate over the use of something in service departments called kiosks. Now, most of us are familiar with them. In fact, those who promote the use of kiosks suggest that it's very much like you travelers who use kiosks to check in at the airport. Now, I'm going to say it's a little bit different, but there's a current debate about the use of them and the use of other technology in service departments and on the service drive and for customer interaction. So the reason there's a debate is like the tablet in our story, kiosks have a lot of benefits, but if both consumers and advisors aren't trained on how to use them and what the specific limitations are, then the system is going to fail. See, the focus is on what is the best thing for the customer. Being there for your customers, especially those who are right in front of you, 
is still better when done by human-to-human interaction. In fact, a lot of research suggests customers still want this. Take scheduling appointments, for example. While we've created systems that make it a lot more convenient to schedule an appointment without involving another human being, over 70% of all consumers still would prefer to make their service appointments with a live person. Why is that? I think I'm covering it here in this mile. It's that we're not using the technology wisely. We're putting too much emphasis on letting the tech do everything without educating or supporting the customer experience. So the argument from the technology camp is that people don't do their jobs and technology does the job consistently and the same way every time with every customer. For example, if you bring your car into the dealership for a service appointment and the advisor or the person making the appointment for you prior to bringing it in does not check your mileage intervals or how long it's been since you've had your car in for service, if they don't check that, they're doing you a disservice because there are things that wear out in your car at regular intervals or things that need replacing, simple things like air filter, cabin air filters, for example, because if you live like where I live in Phoenix and we have dust storms and very dusty desert environment, it doesn't really matter how many miles you drive. It's how many days have you gone without replacing that cabin filter and what are the opportunities for all that dirt to get in there and clog it up and create allergy problems for you when you do drive. So if we're not making the recommendation to you, then you're missing out on saving time for example, when you bring your car in for service. So the argument from the technology camp is that, well, service advisors get busy or people get busy and all they do is just um, basically order take. In other words, if you tell them what you want, that's all they're going to put in the system. They're just going to do whatever you say you want and they're not going to make any recommendations to you. But the kiosk will make the recommendation every time because you're going to put in how many miles are on your car and it's just going to automatically pop up that the recommendation is to do all these things. So that's the argument from the technology camp and the kiosk camp Um, because it will do the same thing with every customer every time. Now, to me, this is a training and leadership issue, and I'm now reading from the book again. To me, this is a training and leadership issue, regardless of the technical solutions available. Now, later in the book, there's a problem with technology that comes up in my experience when I was managing the service department at Saab. And here's an important question. How many people know how to get a job done when technology fails? Can they do a job using paper and pen? I mean, how many people can calculate and do simple math these days without having a phone that does the calculation for you? What are the backup plans and resources in terms of the customer's experience and meeting the customer's needs if technology fails? 
So I'll give you a little taste of what that story is about. I'm not going to go in depth, but we had a T1 line that operated our computer systems back at Saab, and we had two stores that we were working with, and the connection between the two stores was at a junction box that two different phone companies had their systems spliced into. And so approximately once a month, that box would have a problem with it, and it would fail, and our computer systems would go completely down, and neither phone company would take responsibility. So when that happened, one of our stores had to handwrite repair orders. There was no computer stuff. And then I, as the manager at the end of the day, would take all those handwritten copies and care, drive them to the other store 15 minutes away and input all of them into the computer. But my team and I had to know how to handwrite a repair order. You know, it wasn't just keying in and checking some boxes so, because technology failed in that case. But the customer experience had to continue. So that's the big question. How many people know how to do that? How many people today are so reliant on technology alone and they haven't trained their people what to do or how to adapt if and when the technology fails? Because folks, technology fails. It just does. But, and now back to the book. This is in no way an indictment against technology. Technology is awesome and useful. But many viciously oppose the newest technology and customer interactions. In one camp, we have the traditionalists who believe that the needs of the customer should be discovered by a human service advisor. In other words, no kiosk, no automated systems to interact with the customer to find out what's going on. I don't want to have any of that. It all should be face-to-face -face with a human advisor. And as I mentioned before in the other camp are those who promote kiosks, which allow the customer to pretty much do it all themselves. So here's the question that I pose in the book. How might we approach advancements or changes to culture? Because technology definitely changes the culture. And I use a story, an illustration of how to face change from the Bible. Uh, this story may provide wisdom for those who argue against the use of new technology like kiosks or apps. In the New Testament, the book of Acts chapter 5 and verse 34, there was a dispute among the religious leaders of the day regarding what action to take against this new Christian movement known at the time as, quote, the way. A wise Pharisee named Gamaliel, and here's a little side note, by the way, Gamaliel was the Pharisee who trained the Apostle Paul. So he was a pretty wise dude. <laughs> Apostle Paul wrote most of the New Testament. He told the group, and I'm quoting here, in the present case, I advise you, leave these men alone. In other words, leave this new Christian movement alone. Let them go. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. 
you will only find yourselves fighting against God. Now, some of you are sitting there going, Gene, what, is, what does that have to do with technology and whether people adopt technology and buy into it or whether or not uh, the people who are traditionalists and fight against it uh, will say, get that technology out of my face. <laughs> what, is that, what does that story have to do with it? Well, here, here's the story. In this case, I'm, I'm replacing um, the movement with technology, and I'm placing fighting against God with fighting against customers. If customers find technology like kiosks or apps to be better for them than traditional methods, nothing we can do will stop the use of that technology. We're not going to stop it. If somebody comes up with a better mousetrap, is the old way that we used to say it. (laughs) I'm dating myself now, right? If someone comes up with a better mousetrap, that does the job more efficiently and effectively. I mean, maybe even it just traps the mouse rather than kill the mouse so that you can let it go somewhere out in the field, right? And it can continue to live. But if customers' needs aren't met, okay, so if technology does meet their needs and customers adopt it and love it, there's nothing you're going to do that's going to stop it. So for those of you who are traditionalists, who are fighting so hard against new technology coming in. If customers really love it and they're satisfied and it improves loyalty and it improves retention, then why fight against that? Why fight against that? Now, on the flip side, and this is a fair argument, if customers' needs aren't met or dealerships don't become more profitable or more efficient as a result of these new technologies, then the new tech will end up in a storage closet, much like dealership tablets have on many service drives. Now, in this particular case, it's not that there's a problem with the tablet. It's a problem with typically with integration between the tablet and the dealer's management system. If they have to input the data twice, once in the tablet and then once later on, they're not going to buy in. So the the tech has to integrate. But whether or not you like the tech or you're a traditionalist or you don't like the tech, whether or not you're on the side of the tech thinking, why don't these guys change? One way or another, don't sweat it either way. Don't sweat it. <laughs> Let the kiosk companies and the app companies give it their best. Let them go for it. Don't fight it. Let them go for it. If customers love it, then you're fighting against the customer. As Gamaliel said, if this is something from God, and I'm not talking about technology being from God specifically, but Gamaliel told the other Pharisees, look, if the Christian movement is from God, you're not going to stop it. Just see what happens. See what happens. If technology is something that customers want, you're not going to stop it. If kiosks are something that customers really love, you're not going to stop it. If apps are something that make life easier for the consumer, you're not going to stop it. After all, aren't we supposed to be doing what is best for our customers? 
Now, what we can do is we can focus on processes and customer experiences, whether we have technology or not. If technology is something that a customer likes to use, then let's educate our team on how best to make it great for the customer. If there's a resource that simplifies a process and it happens to be a technology piece, then let's learn about it and learn how to make it work better within our organization rather than kick it to the curb. Now, on the flip side, for those of you who promote technology, I started off by talking about the experience that I had and why that tablet failed. It wasn't because the tablet was bad. It was because the training of the processes were not in line with a great customer experience. So for those of you who are promoting apps and technology, make sure that A, everyone on the team understands how it improves the customer experience, how it improves loyalty, how it improves your bottom line, and then make sure that you train on it really well and that the processes fit that. It could be the greatest tech in the world, but if the process is not an improvement to the customer experience, then what good is it? So now to the mile marker. Put processes in place for every aspect of the customer experience, regardless of whether there is technology involved. People are the most important aspect of both your processes and the technology you choose. And that is the podcast for today. Folks, if you are interested in my book, you can go to Amazon.com and type in the search box, Gene Girdley, G-E-N-E-G-I-R-D-L-E-Y. Then the book will pop up. If you try to type the miles and the markers, you're going to get all kinds of stuff to pop up. Also, I would love it if you would follow me on LinkedIn and if you would subscribe to my YouTube channel, trying to build that out. I also made a decision after a long time to reload the Clubhouse app on my phone. <laughs> I was early, I was early on thinking okay, let me check out Clubhouse. And I did, and I was like, oh, man, it's more time. It's, But I'm making some moves within my own business that I decided, well, Clubhouse has a following. So I'm on Clubhouse also. You can search by my name. Follow me there. I've got a few ideas about some things I'm going to do on Clubhouse, besides attend some great stuff, get some more knowledge. But I would love for you to follow me and participate with my content. And also, if you are connected with me on LinkedIn, let me know your thoughts. I am all about continuous improvement, as you learn from the book. And so if there's some things that you think we could do to improve the podcast, please, please, please 
let me know. Next week, mile four, do the right thing. Hey, it's Saturday, December 18. We are just one week away from Christmas. Merry Christmas, everyone, and may God richly bless you. Thank you.